Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have a very another we have another very special guest. And before we introduce our guest, we want to give a shout out to our co-host, Corinne French. Hello, so glad to be here today. Yes, super exciting. And we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact's given hundreds of millions of dollars in funding to public education in the form of a free gift. Over 190 districts in Texas, over $700 million given. So if your teachers need higher, sorry, if your teachers need uh, higher salaries or anything your district needs, it's unrestricted funds, reach out to Ideal Impact. And so now for our guests, we actually have another super amazing superintendent here on the podcast today. We have the superintendent of Quitman ISD, Superintendent Mason. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to be here. Awesome. We're super excited to have you here. And just to kick things off, can you share a little bit about your background so our listeners get to know you a little bit? Yeah, no problem. Uh, I am finishing my 19th year in education. Uh, this is almost the end of month six as a superintendent. Uh, so I uh, officially started January 1st uh, of this year. Uh, I've been in uh, district for the last three as an assistant superintendent. Um, I started my, my career off as a, a teacher and a coach in 2004 and have bounced around some East Texas schools. I uh, was able to teach and coach in Mesquite ISD for a little while. Um, and they were fantastic in teaching a young teacher what good teaching look like and mm -hmm. how to have conversations around data-driven instruction and things like that. And I was lucky enough to get a, a junior high principal job and then a high school principal job in the same district. Uh, and then uh, to get a little closer to family, ended up uh, in Quitman, Texas. And I've been here for the last four years. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, that's a, that's a beautiful story about how you started out and and where you're at today. So obviously you've you've made an impact in a lot of people's lives in order to to be the superintendent that you are today. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about that journey. So um, is that something you planned on doing initially, or that just kind of happened organically? I, I stole Corinne's question there. You did steal my question, but that's okay. I've got another one coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so great question. Um, I actually was uh, in school and. Uh, I went to Tarleton uh, State University out in Stephenville, Texas, and uh, go Texans, by the way. Uh, if uh, but I had originally gotten a, a criminal justice degree and uh, thought I was going to be a police officer, and had gone on a few interviews and sitting through interview, uh, kind of going, you know what? I don't, I don't think I want to do this. And I, I had kind of dabbled my freshman year with some education classes and. Had some great coaches and great educators uh, as a high school kid and, and knew that, hey, that, that might be the, the direction I want to go. And so I kind of dove in and got hired really late uh, as a non-certified teacher and went through the alternative certification program uh, before it was really big. Uh, it's huge in Texas now, but um, and kind of dove in with two feet and got lucky and uh thought, hey, I'll, I'll be a, a teacher and a coach for forever. Um, I love the classroom. Uh, I love being around kids. Um, you know, I've, I have mentors, they always say, look, watch where people's money and their time goes. That'll tell you what they love. Mm -hmm. uh, my money and time goes to being around kids. 
Um, so I always thought that would be the direction I was going. Um, when I got to Mesquite, they paid $7,500 towards your master's degree. And I thought, hey, what a great way for me to get a master's degree, get my admin cert and help me get a head football coaching job at some point or an AD job. Um, and, you know, uh, God had other plans and said, you know what, what we need is good administrators. Um, if you've been in education a while you and have changed school districts, you probably have had, you know, some really, just like in everything, really great experiences with admin. And, and sometimes uh, you have bad experiences with admin. And uh, so that kind of prompted me to go, you know what, your, your impact as a teacher and a coach is only so big, your circle's only so big. And, and as you, you move up the rung, uh, that impact gets a little bigger and a little bigger. Um, so uh, I'm big on if if you feel led to do that, you better do it uh, or you won't be very happy. Uh, so mm -hmm. I kind of dove in uh, with two feet and uh, entered in the admin experience. And uh, I tell you, there's a lot of folks that, that want the big job real fast. Um, I was lucky not to have to go down that path. And I was a junior high principal with no assistant. Uh, so I learned everything about the job. Um, and then I moved to high school with no assistant and learned everything about that job. Um, and then was lucky enough whenever I interviewed for a, an assistant superintendent role here, um, they'd ask me questions about programs and, and things. And I had already done it. I already mm -hmm. knew all about it. So um, mm -hmm. it was an easy role uh, to slide into federal programs and special programs and dealing with you know, your special populations, CTE, special ed, 504, all those wonderful education acronyms and numbers we get. Uh, but just kind of uh, always being that person to say, hey, no problem. And uh, what do you need? And uh, just being willing to, to work and do what's best for kids uh, is really how I've gotten here. I am going to jump in before Gary asks another question, because that's usually my, one of my first questions. I, I want to know if people set out to be a superintendent and, and if not, you know, how, how we can help other people that want to be leaders and but he mentioned the word beautiful and I'm going to go back to that word it's beautiful when you have all that experience and that confidence sometimes getting the the biggest job fast you aren't necessarily suited for it I mean in some ways you are like who's to, you know but but when you have all that experience and you can handle everything um sometimes I think that's the beauty of a small district and and the places where you you didn't have an assistant you didn't have all well, you had support for sure but not that specific role so I think that that is really sweet when we're thinking of you've been in education 19 almost 20 years it's a long time and at first I want to say thank you um I have six children that went through public school in Texas and one still left. And those teachers and coaches are the other mothers and fathers to our children. And it's so important. So thank you for that consistency. New to the superintendent space though. So what kind of advice do you have for others? I think we have a lot of people retiring in Texas in the next, well, already many did. What kind of advice do you have for some admins that are out there, maybe they're not sure if they want to take on that role. Um, yeah. Help give I, them I, some confidence. Yeah, well, I think the first thing is to have a conversation with your current superintendent. And really, I was lucky. I was across the hall from ours. Uh, she was fantastic. She's been a great mentor for the last four years. Uh, her name is Rhonda Turner, uh, and she did retire last year. Mm. Um, so when I hired on, that was always kind of the plan of, hey, we know within X amount of years, this retirement's going to take place. And and uh, so she was a great mentor to me of 
hey, as we work through things, I was included in a lot of stuff because of that understanding of, hey, we're going to see if, if if Chris can handle this or not. And if he can, we'll continue to, to, to walk down this path. Um, but I, I think you really step one is have a conversation with your, your current superintendent. Um, I'm really blessed in the fact that, uh, one, I have a fantastic wife who's in education as well. She's an educational diagnostician, does special ed uh, testing and things like that. Just got her first assistant principal job, so I'm excited. Oh, congratulations. But, and, and she's crazy enough even after seeing me do it. So she's, <laughs> uh, I'm really blessed. And I, I have a father-in-law that was a superintendent of schools for 20 plus years. Um, so, you know, it's having those conversations with current folks and understanding, hey, am I willing to do all the things that uh, a superintendent has to do day to day? Because it's much different. And that's that's been the biggest change, even from uh, assistant superintendent and sliding into this is the, the role is much different. So as a, an assistant superintendent, it was very administrative heavy. I did a lot of paperwork and reports and compliance. Um, and this is very front facing and you mm -hmm. have to remember that you're never not the superintendent mm -hmm. uh, that really you are the ultimate accountable person uh, for the school district. So it doesn't matter if it's a custodian on the campus that did something mm -hmm. wrong, teacher, and ultimately it comes back to uh, how you handle it and how you address it and how you take care of things and the decisions that you make. Well, and all eyes are on you. Uh, and so when you said something, I want to, I want to go back to something earlier that you mentioned, uh, and I want to say this to our listeners, we never we never tell our guests what questions we're going to ask. It truly is an organic conversation. Uh, you mentioned like in each step of the way, the superintendent was somewhat preparing you and mentoring you to take a, a higher level role and see like, can Chris handle this? Do you mind sharing uh, without going into detail, like a time where you're like, oh, I don't think I handled that great. And maybe how someone gave you constructive criticism or guided you because I think sometimes we we forget to talk about those moments as leaders and I think that can also be helpful for others that want to lead so the, I think the biggest thing we can do as leaders is be reflective and be willing to grow and that that willingness to do that means hey you're going to be able to take some sometimes positive criticism of hey Chris you did a really good job there uh, but then other times uh, uh, those negative criticisms of hey this is a growth area Mm -hmm. uh, so really early on, uh, when I transitioned over from being a high school principal uh, into the assistant suit spot, um, as the high school principal at a, a, another small rural school district with no APs or no anything, um, the way that uh, really system was structured in that district was I, I ran my building. I didn't really have to ask for permission to do anything. I just did what I needed to do. And, and as long as it wasn't causing issues and the central admin office, then I was fine. Um, so a lot of the decisions that I made were were quick and decisive and not very collaborative uh, as a high school principal in that state. And I would talk to my teachers and things like that, but not outside my four walls. So that was probably the biggest learning moment is as an assistant superintendent, uh, walking into a decision mm. and being used to making it quick uh, made the wrong decision and Ms. Turner was able to bring me in and say, hey, walk me through your decision-making. And I walked her through it and she said, that was too fast. Oh. You, you didn't gather enough mm -hmm. information. So before you, you make that quick decision, slow down. It doesn't have to be that decision right now. So uh, my, my current assistant, Sue, I've got a, uh, another director of federal programs as my cabinet. Uh, they laugh at me because they, I, I, my term is, let me sleep on them. Mm -hmm. and, 
they, you know, they'll ask me a question and they'll see me thinking and they're like, I know you're going to sleep on me. <laughs> I will. Thank uh, you for sharing I, that. I think yeah. part of the process think and, and pull more information. So I know for me being reflective, I have the tendency um, to, to be okay with being the decision maker and going, nope, do this. And uh, that's great. And it, and it and it's worked for me for many years. And it's, I think, a, a good quality that I have. But it's also a quality that can get me in trouble if I don't go, okay, well, what am I missing? And, you know, we, we had that discussion as a, a leadership team, too. It's uh, having people in your corner that will go, hey, I don't know if you thought about this or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was watching TV one day. You say organic, so I'm going to tell you my story. Watching yes. TV one day, and one of the worst commercials I've ever seen in the history of commercials came on. And uh, it was for siding I think on a house but it was you could tell an older man who has probably owned this company for 70 years <laughs> and he had a lot of people in his corner just telling him it's great we love it and he didn't have anybody willing to go hey this is a bad commercial <laughs> um, and so I, I brought that up to to my people of I need you to to be able to be okay with me and us have a strong enough relationship that if it's not a good idea or we're going down the bad, a wrong path or a bad path for you to go, hey, this is a bad commercial. And uh, so we can hit pause and, and look at stuff and uh, make good decisions. And, and that's one of the things I think uh, was a big learning piece for me is, OK, especially at the top, uh, the, the larger your circle gets, the, the slower you need to go sometimes. Mm-hmm. And go, oh, all does this impact and affect? Uh, and Ms. Turner was great at that uh, for me, um, mentoring me through that of, hey, mm-hmm. go through your steps. Who does this all mm-hmm. impact? And at the bottom, at the very most important piece, does it impact kids in a positive mm-hmm. way? And if, mm-hmm. if the answer is ever no there, then you better hit pause and really double check what you're doing. No, that's, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I think that's it's so important, especially in public education um, or any large organization, right? So you, as a leader, you know, pe- people, they, they want to impress that leader, right? They want, they want to be liked by that leader. They want, and so um, there, and through, there was a couple of case studies we did in college and one was related to like hikers hunting, hiking up Mount Everest, right? And they had some guides there and, and there were some people that had hiked before and they knew you know, some of the challenges, but for whatever reason, some things were overlooked and they just followed the, the, the guide's lead. And, and, um, there was another scenario that had to do with like, uh, you know, one of the, one of our presidents in the past. And, um, so that's a, that's a great point. I, I know in the, in the executive education that I had gone through, they talked about like delegating people in the group or basically saying, okay, now let's play devil's advocate. What's wrong with this idea? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so I kind of see what, see where you're going with that. That makes, that makes sense. And, and it's obviously a strength, right? The strength to make decisions and make quick decisions, right? Cause there's a lot of people out there. They never make any decisions, right? Mm-hmm. They, they sit on it and they ponder on it and months and years go by. And then eventually, you know, something forces them to make that decision. And now it's, it's an even a bigger problem, but so, yeah, I think that's, that's so important of, of like one make quick decisions, but also have some checkpoints along the way to, to check yourselves. So that's, that's very cool. Um, well, so looking, looking back, looking back a little bit more. So your superintendent now, when you, 
reflect on that journey, um, I imagine looking back, it seems like it happened so fast. Is is there any anything that you, if you could go back in time, like would you maybe do something a little bit different or embrace certain moments more? Um, because, you know, we're, we're, you know, life changes quick, right? Yeah. You know, I think my biggest piece of advice uh, to, to anybody, and it, it makes me laugh because, you know, I go tell people, well, I've been doing this basically 20 years now and uh, that, that went quick. Um, but, you know, I was a, a coach for the first part of it. So a lot of hours in the day uh, spent with other people's kids. Um, and I've got, I've got two twin 13 year old boys now um, is it's okay to, to go home and to find that balance um, to put your phone down, to not check your emails, to, you know, uh, I get to go on vacation here in a week or so. And, and my assistant soup's not. So I'm going to tell her you handle it. If it is mm-hmm. not fire bleeding, don't call me mm-hmm. and be okay with letting go of the control of that son. Mm-hmm. But, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we don't get that time back. And so it, a lot of folks that are getting into admin now, what I see whenever we interview for principal spots, uh, they tend to be younger and younger. Um, and, and I would tell them as a superintendent, when I look for administrators, I want to see people that love being in the classroom. And if I get a feeling or I get a, a look that you really just trying to get away from that, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get out of the classroom, then you're probably not going to be high on my list because Ultimately, uh, one of my favorite questions is, tell me your favorite experience so far, or your favorite memory so far of uh, education. And most of the time, especially if the educator's been in education a while, it comes back to running into a kid outside of school or a kid who's graduated and moved on and they run into, and there's some connection that's still there um, and it's impactful and deep and powerful. And uh, if, if I'm in a conversation with someone and they don't have that type of why, um, then, then we won't hire them here at Quitman. Um, that's one of the things that we worked really hard this year on is building a teacher profile of, hey, these are the folks that, that will be good for our team. And then empowering our principals to go, if that person doesn't meet these things, then they can't come work here. And, mm-hmm. and putting our bar and raising our standard to a, a spot to say, look, th- if you want to work here, you have to be this good and, and you mm-hmm. have to be willing to grow and be better. And if you're not, it's okay. Someone mm-hmm. else will hire you, but we won't. Mm-hmm. And that that's but just congratulations. I mean, good for you for that. I mean, that's that's excellent. I mean, if we want our students to have excellent excellent education, it starts with excellent educators um, and that commitment. And I I love what you said about the administrators. If they can't go back to class, if they don't love the classroom, uh, there's an issue. And something that we've noticed with our we tend to interview a lot of superintendents or, or board presidents, or we've had a few authors on lately, but oh, I think it's something I've noticed with all of the superintendents, even if they knew they wanted to be a superintendent right from the start, they all talk about how much they love the classroom. Gary, do you remember that? It's like every one yeah. of them, I'm thinking of like 20 yeah. people in the last two years. And if y'all can say that at the highest level, that that was still something that's so important to you and it's part of your why, then you're in the right spot. But if you just want uh, to be a leader and be a boss and be in control, it's yeah. it, it's a hard role to be in because as a superintendent, like you said, if your decision and you go down to the bottom of it and you see this is not good for kids by the time you make all the check with policy, check with the TEA, check with your stakeholders, and it finally... <laughs> And at some point, if it doesn't, if it's not for good for kids, you have to be willing to say, 
I'm sorry. This is not, we're not cranking out widgets here. We're crank, we're, we're producing citizens and we're creating beautiful people. And that takes that love of the classroom. So I think there's a, a, a nice little connection to something that we've seen in the last two years of superintendents. And so I love that you're actually saying that you look for that when you're hiring. Well, you know, that's always the fallback, fallback, right? Is like, listen, if I, if I had to go back to the classroom, I would be so much better as a teacher now, uh, having to be, you know, in leadership and watching mm -hmm. all the decisions and all the things. Mm -hmm. I would be fantastic for a principal. I would be fantastic for kids and fantastic for, uh, you know, other teachers and parents, because I've seen all the, the bad stuff that can go wrong too. So I, I would, you know, I always joke. I'm like, man, I would be, fan I would be a building principal. <laughs> dream as a teacher because I'm going to have stuff turned in on time I'm going to kind of <laughs> doing a great job uh you know all those things that sometimes get overlooked when you're in the trenches so uh but yeah. there's something else you said that I want to touch on I know we're running short on time and Gary probably has a, a another question I can talk about public ed for days I know well we probably will have us uh have you on again that'll be something yeah, we say definitely. at the end because I'm even thinking we have you on with that superintendent that retired. I think that would be beautiful to have you both on together. I know I've said beautiful several times here, but it, it would. Um, you said something about going back to the classroom and I love that you could do like, I think about that sometimes too. Like I could go back to anything I've had before and I would still love that. That's probably the mark of a good leader and you're still in the same space. But something I wanna to touch on, you going on vacation and truly unplugging. I think people have a hard time with that. And I appreciate that you actually said that and you are communicating with your assistant soup. And I think there's there's probably nothing that that person can't handle um, unless it's your immediate family or, you know, because I think if we don't, if we don't create spaces in our leadership journey or our role or professional roles to literally like take a, let that control go and take care of our families, we're not going to survive. Because at we're, we're, our phones now, like there's no, there's nothing holding us back from being able to make a decision. Used to, you'd have to, I was a trustee for a long time. You'd have to go back to the board book, log in, find this, look at the policy. There's no excuse now. You can get to board policy online. You can look at anything from the TEA. You have access to things. So there's no excuse for us not to be able to make decisions. But do we need to be making them when we're supposed to be on vacation? And so I wonder if you have another tip when it comes to social emotional health for leaders. I have a session at Tasa Chasby. I think it'll be accepted. But do you have some other tips of how you stay balanced and so taking care of you as a leader? Yeah, uh, you know, so I've got a, a great leadership team with uh, the campus principals that I have, uh, my central admin staff. Uh, and one of the things that uh, we kind of circle around to often is kind of filling our buckets you know, uh, are you reading something that helps you become a better leader and, and reminds you of your why? Um, I think so often, I know whenever I get into low spots in education, uh, whether it was as a high school principal or even now, um, it tends to be because I've not found any motivation. Um, I've not had any awesome conversations. Being on a podcast is, is exciting, right? It reminds me of this is why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. So it's finding those anchor points of uh, this is the reason why. Uh, for central admin, to, my biggest one is get your butt out of your office. Um, uh, I said every other week uh, during the school year, I started in January. Um, a thir it's Thursday for me, but I would just put it on my calendar um, that 
I would be on campuses and I literally would just go to classrooms, sit down with my laptop, do my normal work and enjoy conversations. Every once in a while, get in to get to share and have a conversation. But a lot of times just sit in the back of the room, answer my emails, work on some things that I needed to work on, uh, just like I would in my office. Um, but being on campus and watching kids and watching teachers, um, watching interaction with parents, um, those are my whys. Uh, so you, you have to find your why and then put anchor points and then be really, really intentional. Uh, it's not gonna do it on its own. You're not gonna find motivation just out of thin air. Um, so surround your your, yourself with people that are, the term we use are solution seekers. Uh, we don't wanna be fault finders, we wanna be solution seekers. So uh, I've got some young guys on, on staff that like to do book studies and read. So we've been passing books around and, hey, read this one. And, uh, you know, so we, we do that. Um, I listen to a lot of educational podcasts or leadership podcasts, um, but it's trying to fill your bucket that way. Um, and then, you know, the, the biggest one, and these are all things that people always say, right? It, it's be present wherever you're at. Mm. Um, you know, I, it's, it's easy to go home and go, hey, I want to unplug and veg out and watch TV or play on your phone um, and distance yourself um, because you've already given a bunch. But uh, I think the, that's a price that, that you don't get back, right? So to me, it's just be present. If I'm going to go home, I'm going to put my phone down. Uh, I'm going to try to be with my family, be really intentional. You know, we're, we're nerds. So right now we're binge watching X-Files. <laughs> greatest thing right so season five it's getting wild but that's something yeah. we do as a family every night we're going to watch one 40 minute episode yeah. of Xbox. yes what it's going to be about and talk about our yeah. favorites and but then mm -hmm. as a leader build your network and that's something that i'll continue to work on um with superintendents because that's the new mm -hmm. guy sometimes it's hard to do uh, mm -hmm. in your network finding folks that you can talk to because they're busy you're busy uh, just picking your phone up or sending me. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I love that. Building the network. I, I, I texted myself what you said about the anchor points. I love, I mean, I think of like the why, but I love how you're saying anchor points because um, that's, a, that's a whole, that could be a whole other podcast, like the finding the why, the anchor points. And then, and then we have another superintendent, superintendent of the year, Bobby Ott mentioned how he puts it on his calendar to get out there and see students. And I think it's brilliant. I think 10 years ago, we might have thought that was weird if we saw someone's calendar that said that. We might we might have thought, like, why do they have to be do that? But you you can't stay in your four walls as a superintendent and um make it. You've got to see the life that's happening on the campus. You've got to see those little kids. And I think that's the the transition is you used to be managers and you used to now we're it's part of our job is to tell the story of the district. Right. So getting out and making sure that. We're, we're getting those narratives and those positive things out. We're in a legislative session that has, you know, two sides of a, a story where the truth is really in the middle and, um, you know, not to get political, but no, it's okay. It's our job. It's it our job. job. Public mm -hmm. ed to go, Hey, this is a bad idea because mm -hmm. we live in a rural area where we're close to 70% socioeconomic. And if you pass a voucher with no rules, I'll lose 20% of mine. Right. Uh -huh. The parents who have six or seven kids that can just take that check and spend it however they see fit. And then in two years, when I get those kids back and they've had zero education, then it's my fault. It's kids' fault. So let's make let's make good decisions for, for our kids. I could care less. Make one system fair for all of us and public ed will win. 
Okay, it will. I, you can truly get, but that's, a, I, I love that because we've every, almost every, I think everyone we've had on the podcast agrees that, and I, I certainly, I was a homeschool mom for a long time. And then I was a trustee for 10 years and I see the value of the parents being able to choose absolutely 100%. Um, but there is no such thing as a, another a way for a student in my world area to go to a private school. O- only the wealthy students will be able to afford that. And so it's not going to help the, the children who have, are um, low SES. It won't help them at all. And it will hurt the system. And I, I think that it's OK. I think it's OK for us to say things like that um, when we know public public schools shouldn't be partisan and, and somebody has made it partisan the last, I don't know, 50 years or so. And it's, it's I don't know exactly when I dwell, I have ideas, but it's not right. So I, it's okay to say that. And we, we appreciate that. Um, it, what y'all do for all students is something that it can't be like every other business on the, on the, on the planet. Um, you have humans in the classroom and y'all know how to do it best. And so when teachers and superintendents say, hold on, this isn't a good idea. We as the citizens should listen to what y'all say. So. But that's part um, of our job too, is to build that mm-hmm. trust with our community. It is mm-hmm, for sure. That they see us and that we're involved, you know, that most superintendents live in the school district that they're in. And I think that's huge. And it's getting involved with those things to make sure that our community sees us and knows, well, that guy's invested. Mm-hmm. See him at church, uh, you know, I see him at uh, Rotary and Kiwanis and all these, you know, for us a small rural community, we have, you know, 1,200 different community events. They're going to see me there because my family's going and we're going to be there and and be part of it and say, listen, I'm invested not because I get a paycheck from Quitman ISD. I'm invested because I have two knuckleheaded sons that I want <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah. I- well, I like the I like the approach, though. I mean, yes, there's there's organizations and groups of people out there that benefit by division, right? So having people divided, I like that you're looking for bridges to to solve mm-hmm. problems and having that solution oriented mindset. That's awesome. I know we're running short on time here, so I'll ask the last question, the most difficult question of the podcast. Um, if you were to have someone else come on the podcast and share their story, what's the first person that comes to mind? Ooh. You know, I think uh, hmm, that's a that's a great question. My would have more than one. Is my retired mentor teacher, Rhonda Turner, um, because she has so much good experience and, and so many years in this thing. Um, you know, my 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 second would be, you know, campus administrator to, to understand. I think a good conversation is what is what is the role of principal turned into? Um, you know, for me, those conversations look like I want you to be instructional leaders, but then I have to back that up with how do we remove remove bureaucracy and administrative tasks that have to be done off of those plates? So that's a big Ooh, that's a good one. Off teachers' plates. I want my mm-hmm. teachers to be teachers. I don't want them mm-hmm. to be paper pushers and. Mm-hmm. I want them to go to. I want them to be excellent instructors, and I want mm. them to their content and come in and be rock stars in my classroom. So, how do we take stuff off their plate? Well, I want the exact same thing for my principals. I want them to be rock star instructional leaders. Well, that means I have to start working on those systems and practices to take administrative stuff off of their plates and make it efficient 
and intentional um, so that they have built-in times. You said calendar earlier. To me, that's huge. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think talking to uh, an established, you know, if you can find a 20-year, 10 or 15-year-plus principal that I've been a principal for 10, 15 years to talk to them about how has this thing changed? You know, mm -hmm. you've gone from manager to now the emphasis is instructional leader, but but really you're you're still both. Um, you know, that's a great conversation to me. Gary, I think that would be great. We were thinking of having some kind of a digital conference, and I think that would be a great topic. No one has mentioned that. And I know I'm in classes at SMU working on my doctorate, and I most of the like colleagues are all campus administrators and principals and different roles in the administration. And I've been sitting through classes and kind of kind of understanding what you're what you just talked about, but not totally. And I think it would be really fascinating for our listeners and other leaders to to witness and hear that conversation. So I well, think we have I think we have another topic, Gary. Yeah. 10 years of an administration, the things mm -hmm. that were required to turn in has grown extensive. Uh, so mm -hmm. we have admin, we have more support staff because the bureaucracy of public ed has grown because of, of mandates and things that we are supposed to, to check off on and say, yes, we're doing that. Yes, we're doing that. Uh, and for sure, we keep the main thing, the main thing. That's one of our educational, our, our leadership profiles. That's, that's our, our foundational piece. The main thing's the main thing. That's, that's our kids and educating them. And uh, so balancing all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, this this is so great. I just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast today, Superintendent Mason. And, I talk uh, too much. I apologize. I, I no, we this is so we really do wish we had more time, but I think our listeners like a shorter one. But we'll have you on again. Yes, yes. Right. We, we've we've covered some things that we can expand on even more in the next podcast. So I'm looking forward to you coming on here again. Uh, if you're willing to, that would be awesome. They win. All right. Also, awesome. Yeah. Super excited. Love the conversation. Very inspirational. There were some, some nuggets. Hopefully listeners got in uh, on the podcast. We talked about the journey to superintendent. We talked about mindset, talked about a lot of things that, you know, could help you in different, different stages of your career. So um, super excited about today's discussion. Corinne, thank you for being an amazing co-host. And before we close out, we do want to give us one more shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact's given hundreds of millions of dollars to school districts around Texas, over 700 million given, over 190 districts. If your district needs unrestricted funds in the form of a free, free gift, it's not a grant. It's actually recurring revenue that goes to your district. Reach out to Ideal Impact and stay tuned for future episodes of the Educational Leadership Podcast.